What would you pay a mother if you had to pay her a salary? Kind of an odd question, but mom.salary.com answers that question. What they do is they take all the different activities that a mom does and compare that to common jobs out in the marketplace, and then they compute the salary. For example, a mom has to be a CEO. She's running a very complex organization. She has to be a teacher. She has to be a psychologist. She has to be a chef as well as a laundry machine operator well as a facilities manager, a janitor, and most importantly, a van driver. And the list goes on. Well, the average salary for a mother this year is $115,000. And I know you ladies are saying, show me the money. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't show you the money. But I would encourage you as a family to go on to mom.salary.com and you can Again, compute that on your own and kind of a fun way to teach your kids and remind your husband about how much uh, you're doing and how grateful they should be because that's what Mother's Day is all about. We're here to celebrate you. We're here to thank you for all that you do. Uh, you are tremendous and you meet so many needs in our lives. Uh, I just also just want to take a minute to... Uh, uh, talk to those who are not having the greatest Mother Day. Mother's Day. I was talking with uh, Kara Brubaker last night, and she lost her mom this past week. Uh, her mother was only 65 years old. And so we can be praying for Scott and Kara as they mourn uh, the loss of their mother. Or possibly you want to be a mom, but uh, God hasn't blessed you uh, with a child yet. Or maybe you had a miscarriage in the last year, or... Maybe you have a difficult relationship with your mom, and sometimes holidays like this can kind of bring up uh, some of those negative feelings. So my prayer for you is that God would minister to you today, that he would encourage you, and that he would comfort you. We want to talk about being a godly mom. There's three things that godly moms do. The first thing is they protect their children. They protect their children. We just got done with the Joseph series and the life of Joseph, and we learned that he was very committed to God, and in the end, he was in second command in Egypt, and he brought his family down from Canaan, the people who had become the Israelites. He brought Jacob and his brothers, a total of 70 people, and over the years after Joseph died, they continued to grow. And we pick up what we're going to be talking about today in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to the people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So the Hebrews were much different than the Egyptians. And the king realized that uh, if any nation wanted to overthrow them, which was very common in that day, all kings were paranoid. He was worried about how the Israelites might side with another nation that wanted to, again, take over Egypt. So he had some different strategies to try to deal with this problem. First of all, he put the people of Israel in slavery. In verse 11 we see, So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. 
For the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields and all their hard labor. The Egyptians used them ruthlessly. So first of all, he put them into slave labor, but when God's behind you, good things continue to happen. So they just continue to increase and multiply. So he went to a second strategy. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him, but if it is a girl, let her live. Population control. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. And the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're vigorous. They're fast. And give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous and became, excuse me, and because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order, this is third strategy, to get rid or to uh, push down the Israelites, keep them from growing. Uh, gave this order to all the people. Every boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. This is uh, quite a, a brutal order, just to throw the young boys into the Nile. And we move on in the passage, and it says, Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Now, who are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about Armon, the husband, and Jochebed, the wife, and the boy was Moses. So we're going to talk about Moses' mother today, Jochebed. A man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant. Now, this was during this period when every boy was being thrown into the Nile. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Can you imagine hiding an infant for three months? I mean, we're talking about slave quarters here. Okay, you have guards and soldiers looking for infant boys, and Jochebed believed that she was to keep this child. So she protected the child, and that's what you moms do. You are protectors of your children in so many different ways. When they're young, you want to protect them from just getting physically beat up. <laughs> Lori was talking this past week, we were talking about uh, our kids and she remembered about uh, a time when uh, my oldest son, Brian, who's 20, kept trying to climb the high chair. And she tried to keep him from doing this, but finally he fell off the high chair when she wasn't looking and got this big goose egg. And so she took him into the emergency care. And whenever that type of thing happens, uh, they're always asking a lot of questions, wondering if you did it to them, right? And I understand that. That's appropriate. But I can understand a woman saying, hey, listen, I'm trying to keep this kid safe. <laughs> I'm trying to protect him, but he keeps working against me. <laughs> I mean, kids are going to fall. They're going to stumble. They're going to hit their head. They're going to fall out of trees. <laughs> you name it. Uh, so moms are always on the watch out for their kids. Well, when you get to the age of six, when they get into school, up to age 12 maybe, you're mostly concerned about their emotional safety. Especially when it comes to other kids. You're always concerned about other kids are going to treat your children and if they're going to uh, be nice to them. And unfortunately, 
Well, you have a lot of bullies, bullies out there, a lot of kids who are cruel to other kids, and uh, we dealt with that several times as our kids uh, grew up. And you accept a certain amount of bullying, but when you have one individual who's really being a problem, then you talk to the teachers, and if you can, you talk to the parents, and then if it really gets bad, then I have a conversation with the bully on their way home from school. No, I never did that. But I tell you, I was so tempted, man. I just wanted to get that kid. Yeah, we don't want to go into that. But, uh, yeah, you have to deal with that kind of stuff. And uh, that, that's stressful. And I really want to encourage those mothers out there who have children who are developmentally delayed in some way. Uh, maybe they are delayed in their academic skills or in their social skills, uh, their motor skills, uh, they are handicapped, uh, they have special needs. It's such a heavy burden that those mothers bear because they're always working to try to get their children in sync with everything else that's going on in the world, trying to find friends for their children, trying to help them to navigate the educational issues or if it's a physical issue the physical issues and if you're a child or excuse me if you're a mom of a child who has special needs my heart goes out to you and I want to especially thank you and uh, I just want to remind you you're doing a very special work for God God gave you a very special child and God knew that you were the right person to raise that child and I know that child uh, causes you to uh, put out a lot of energy and creates a lot of uh, pain in your life because you would like to see your child not to have to go through uh, these things. God's entrusted you with that beautiful child, and I want to thank you for everything you do because many times children like that, your whole life revolves around them, and you're doing a very special work uh, for God. And for those of us who know Mothers who have these type of children, we need to do everything we can to support them because many times they don't talk about how difficult it is to raise uh, children, with, children with special needs. So we need to be uh, encouraging, encouraging to them. We need to protect them. Uh, another uh, area is when the kids get into the teenage years. you got all kinds of things going on, right? You want to protect them with wisdom. Because many times they don't have wisdom. Many times it's internal problems, anxiety, depression. And, and young ladies these days, oh my, with this world and what they expect, what the media puts out there in regards to what a woman should look like leads to anorexia and bulimia and low self-esteem. And moms, you have such a, a challenge in order to instill in your daughter uh, the the confidence that she has in God, that she doesn't have to look in a certain way to be accepted and to be valuable. That is a very difficult thing to do when the world is constantly working against you. And then, of course, you have rebellion. Kids tend to rebel. They continue to want to do their own thing. Sometimes it's a part of the developmental process with some kids. And they rebel against you, and they rebel against God, and they do their own thing, alcohol, drugs, promiscuity, all other type of things they can get into. And I know many of you have gone through so many painful experiences. Moms, you have just been overwrought with your children 
and the things that they have said to you, uh, the ways that they have damaged their lives, and you saw it happen and you couldn't do anything about it. Maybe it's in the distant past, but it still burdens you. Maybe it's happening right today. Maybe it happened yesterday. Your child said something to you or did something or they're just an outright rebellion against you. And I want to thank you, moms, for protecting your children. And even when you think that things are going the wrong way and it's never going to get better, you need to have confidence in God. You need to pray to God and put your child in God's hands when you can no longer have your child in your hands like these women did up here, these little infants. Because that's the nature of life, right? You start out with high control, and then as years go by, you just continue to lose control over your children. And sometimes the only thing you can do is pray for them, right? No doubt about that. So thanks for protecting your kids' moms. We appreciate that uh, so much, that you're an advocate for them and that you stand in the gap. Here's a couple of verses about moms, 1 Corinthians 13, 7, the love chapter. This is what love is all about, love always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, love always perseveres. And I tell you what, I watched my wife Lori over many years and the tremendous mother uh, that she is, and I'm just, I'm mystified by her love for our children, her commitment, her sacrifice, as she's constantly serving them. And, hey... You know, God created mothers different. I love my kids, and I want to do all those things for them, but she goes to a deeper level. It's just, it's mysterious. It's a mysterious gift from God that mothers have. And mothers, thank you for ministering to us in allowing us to be recipients of the beautiful gift of love that perseveres, that hopes, always hopes in us that always trusts and always protects. Another verse speaks about God, but you need to realize that children understand God primarily through their parents, and they understand God through their mothers. So when it says, He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge, His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart, you could say, She, your mother, will cover you with her feathers, and under her wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness, or her faithfulness, that is, will be your shield and rampart. This is the nature of moms. They just are always there for you. Uh, they're, they're a refuge. They're a safe place. I can remember when I was back in high school, there's in a lot of dramas and musicals uh, preparing for my life on the stage. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, I was in my senior year, and we were doing the musical Music Man. And I wanted to be the Music Man. Seventy-six trombones left the big parade. I won't burden you with my audition song. But, uh, yeah, uh, I didn't get the part. and I got the mayor's part, whatever. So I came home, and I told my mom. And she was filled with righteous indignation against the drama director, against the music director, against the principal, against the school board, anybody who could have been associated with hurting Danny. No doubt about that. 
Don't you love that about moms? Let it rip, mom. It might not be true, but I want to hear it. I want to hear it. They have hurt me, and you are my protector. Yeah. That's what moms are all about. Moms, you are our cheerleaders. My mother, who died seven years ago, is with the Lord right now. And uh, she was my cheerleader. She's the one who led me into ministry. She's the one who encouraged me in that direction. And uh, it's important you be our cheerleaders. Because I tell you what this world values, two things, intelligence and beauty. And if your kids have intelligence and beauty, they're doing well in this world. Life is going to be easy for them, relatively. But if your kids are missing one of those things, if they're not beautiful, if they're not that intelligent, life is going to be a little more difficult. And if they neither have beauty nor high intelligence, life is going to be very difficult for them to whatever degree. And that's where moms make up the deficit. That's where moms build that self-esteem and say, you are special. The world might not say you're special, but you are special. And let me list all the reasons you are special. And that is such an important ministry you have in the lives of your children, is helping them to believe in themselves, helping them to grow in that knowledge. Joshua 1.7, here's an encouragement to you moms. Be strong and very courageous. Read through Joshua chapter 1. As Joshua is going into battle, well, you're in the midst of a battle. You need to be strong and courageous. And men, I want to encourage you as I go through uh, these different points. I'm going to give the challenges to you and not necessarily the moms today. We're honoring them. Uh, but uh, I want you to make sure that you support your wife in her motherhood. And the best way to do that is give her her sleep. Okay? Let her sleep. Let her sleep. All right? Moms are giving out all this energy all the time to their children, and they need to sleep. You need to protect that sleep. You need to hold the kids at bay. Lock them out of the house, whatever you have to do. Just let her sleep. If she wants us to sleep all day today, you sleep, honey. I'm going to go to McDonald's or go to a movie. You just sleep because everybody knows that when mom doesn't get enough sleep, she's grumpy. Right? That's not the reason we're giving her sleep. But, hey, we don't want to make our moms grumpy, do we? No. We need to give them sleep. So let her sleep in. Um, Lori, you know, you sleep as long as you want. Okay? (laughs) not saying anything about your grumpiness. But, uh, no, moms are tired, guys. Moms are tired. They're either physically tired with young children or they're emotionally tired with older children. So, guys, let your mom sleep. Okay. All right. Or let your wife sleep. Okay, second thing, protects your children. Um, A godly mother also trusts God with her children. We'll go back to the story of Jochebed, verse 3. But when she could hide him no longer, Moses... She, Jochebed, got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch, made it waterproof. Then she placed a child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Now, when I was a kid, I just kind of had the idea that Jochebed put Moses in this basket and just kind of gave it a kick and good luck. (laughs) No, a little more intentional here. She put it in these reeds, which were very sturdy. And she placed it there so it wouldn't move because she had a plan. His sister, that's Miriam, remember Miriam? 
stood at a distance to see what would happen. And because she was part of the plan, we go on in verse 5. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbanks. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Now, what we see in this passage is, is that she had a strategy. The only thing that she could do to save Moses at this point, because if they found out about the kid, he would be killed. But if Pharaoh's daughter could see the baby and have compassion upon the baby, maybe the baby would be saved. So she found out where Pharaoh's daughter bathed and strategically placed the basket, and Pharaoh's daughter saw it just exactly as it was planned. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? They'd probably practice that line quite a bit, right? Let me just find one of the Hebrew women, which happened to be Jochebed. Yes, go, she answered, and the girl went and got the baby's mother. Jochebed. So, again, God worked miraculously in this way. The key thing, though, here is that the Jochebed was facing a very difficult situation, like many of you moms are no matter what your situation might be. And that was that if she did the wrong thing, her baby would die. Those, those stakes are pretty high, aren't they? So she said, okay, I'm going to come up with a plan, and then I'm just going to trust God. She came up with a plan, and God came through and protected Moses. Now moms, because of the way that they're wired, they tend to worry have all kinds of worries about their kids in terms of what's going to happen to them and what's going to happen in the future and what's going to happen the day at school and what's going to happen this weekend. And, you know, as life goes on, the worries increase. You know, little uh, little uh, boys, little problems, big boys, big problems, that kind of idea. Uh, yeah, it really is challenging. And, and the point is that worry gets you nowhere, right? We go back to a very familiar passage that we refer to often because it's so practical for life. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything. Moms, have you been anxious about your children this past week? Have you been worrying over them? Well, just don't do that. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what happens? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, think about this past week, moms. Did you... Uh, or were you more anxious about your children, or were you more prayerful about your children? Did you use the anxiety that came to your mind and heart to pray for your children, or did you just say, I'm going to take care of it, and I'm just going to worry, and that's going to get things done, right? No, that's not going to get anything done. What you need to do is when you have a challenge with a child, is that every time you start to worry about it, as it says here, that's a prompter to pray about that child. That doesn't mean you sit back and just say, okay, God, you solved the problem. No, you cooperate with God. You let him take control of the problem. Really controls the issue, as, as it always is. Who's got the control? You or God. You give the control over to God and say, God, I don't know what to do about this particular problem with my teenager or with my 5-year-old or with my 26-year-old. I don't know what to do. So I give it to you, and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And so, therefore, you pursue resources to help your children. God can guide you through Google. Did you know that? If you give a situation over to God, God can do mysterious things with Google to bring you to the right book, 
the right resource, the right counselor, whatever. You see, when you give the situation over to God, He's going to put ideas into your head. Ideas that you would not have if you hadn't given it to God. So, ladies, I want to encourage you. I want to lighten your load today. Stop worrying. Not easy, but through the power of Christ you can do it. And just say, God, it's yours. Show me the way. doesn't mean things are going to get better right away, but God's in control. You've got to trust God with your children. And men, the challenge here for you is to continue to remind your wives about that in a very gentle way. And all you have to do is when your wife comes to you and by this concern about this particular child, you say, hey, let's stop and pray about that. And I'm going to be continuing to pray for our little Johnny in that area, or our big Johnny, who's <laughs> 50 years old. <laughs> really? I mean, you never stop being a parent, do you? I mean, the whole idea, you know, oh, 18, you know, they're out of the house. Yeah, right. Um, that's not true either. But at the same time, you always have the heart of a parent till you die. Right? But the beautiful thing, we're children of God, and we can pray. And God who can... God who can change a child's heart. We'd like to change that child's heart. But only God can change a child's heart. You've got to believe in the power of prayer. You've got to believe in it. You've got to continue to pray. You've been praying for five years. You need to pray for five more years. I know it's not easy. But it's the only option. Right? Encourage your wives to pray, men. All right, the last thing that she does is she nurtures her child. Go back to the story of Jochebed. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me. So she's talking to Jochebed again, and uh, I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. He named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now, isn't that the most amazing thing? Here is a child that was born with a death sentence, but because of God's activity in this child's life, this child ended up living in Pharaoh's house, and Jochebed was paid to nurse him. Okay? That is a miracle. You see, that's what happens when you figure in the God factor, when you put your faith in God instead of putting faith in yourself when you give the control to God instead of controlling it yourself you need to build into your child's life obviously we see this in the story of Timothy Timothy was being mentored by Paul uh, Paul led him into a relationship with Christ and then helped him to grow in that relationship and then Timothy eventually became a pastor so he was writing a letter to Timothy of encouragement and he was reflecting upon Timothy's grandmother and his mother and how they had built a foundation of a knowledge of God in Timothy's life. In fact, Timothy's dad was Greek, so he was not a God follower. So it was just his grandmother and his mom. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Bottom line here, guys, what you want in your child's life is a sincere faith, which means dependence upon God. That is what 
all of us need more than anything in our daily lives is to be totally dependent upon Jesus Christ. And we just don't get it. But we need to continue to seek after it and say, God, help me to be dependent on the power of Christ in my life, the power of your Spirit. But we always want to do it our own way. Well, we need to continue to grow in that so we can model it for our children. And then we need to teach our children whatever... <laughs> if you remember only one thing for my investment in your life, you need to depend upon God. That's the only way you're going to get through this life. That's the only way life is truly going to be satisfying. And it burdens me that there are so many parents that don't put that as the top priority in what they instill in their children. There are so many parents that put the academic priority as number one. I've got to help them academic, academically succeed. That's the number one priority. Or they say, I've got to build skills into their life. That's my number one priority, helping them uh, to learn how to play sports, to work as a team, helping them to develop a particular musical talent, helping them to have social relationships, helping them to be a cheerleader. That's my number one priority. No, 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 no. None of those should be the ultimate priority. The number one priority is dependence on Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. That's what you need to give your kids because there is nothing better that you can give them that will carry for years and years, 50, 60, 80 years into the future, than a knowledge of who God is, how much He loves them, and how by submitting to Jesus Christ as Lord that their lives will be transformed. They'll be able to handle anything that comes their way. Sports won't help them. Music won't help them. Any other skills that you can give them won't help them. But Jesus Christ will help them. Now again... Help your children develop all kinds of skills. But the number one thing, far beyond anything else, is that Jesus Christ is a solution to life. Ultimately, the solution to eternity and the solution to everyday life. And how much of a priority are we as parents teaching our children that that is the case? And it has to start with you and me in the home. In fact, we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Right there. That's what we want to teach our kids. Love God. Depend upon God. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. What does it go on to say in verse 7? It says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Make this the main topic of conversation. Tell your children about your relationship with God. Talk, about, talk to them with the, about their experiences. And as they bring up different things, we've got in to the conversation. And you say, well, I don't know how to do that. I'm not that strong a Christian. Well, they don't know much. You know more than they do. So tell them what you know, and you continue to learn. You just have to stay in front of them, right? Just stay in front of the learning curve, and you can guide them along the way. That's the idea that in order to raise strong spiritual children, you have to continue to grow strong spiritually. And we here at Springbrook are here to be your partners. You have the main responsibility to build into your lives uh, your children's lives spiritually. But we're here to help you. Boy, we've got some great resources. We've got Laura Schweber back here leading our kids of the kingdom. Every week you can come with your child 
infant through uh, fifth grade, and they can come in and learn about God and how God needs to be a part of their lives. And we will help you with that. We have Justin Searles, our youth pastor. He leads our junior high and senior high. You can come every week, and he has a class for your kids where they can learn about God. He has midweek activities, uh, junior higher and senior higher events that they can come to to learn about the superiority of God and nothing else. We have Awana clubs that my wife leads, uh, and 180 kids uh, come out. In fact, my son, uh, Tommy, who's 15, uh, three years old, he started in Awana, and he's a sophomore, and he's still learning verses, and he's learned over 700 verses. And he's read, read, read the scriptures, and he's done mission projects. We're, we're, we're making that a priority, and I want to thank everybody here at Springbrook who has helped my children. Now, Thomas was born the year before we started this church, so you have really invested in my son Thomas, and I want to thank you for all the teachers out there and all the people who have a relationship with my son. See, that's a beautiful thing about being part of a church, is that we help raise each other children. We model what it means to be a Christ follower. They learn that other successful uh, adults that they're attracted to make Jesus Christ number one in their lives. And, and I know some of you men are saying, well... I'm just a weakling spiritually. My wife, she's the leader, and I don't know what to say or what to do. Well, guys, all you need to do is show up. I'll say it again. Show up. Just make sure your family's in church every week because you realize that every day your children are being bombarded by messages from Satan, messages about their, their the way they look, messages about the how they should live their lives, messages about relationships, messages about sex. You need them, like, you need to have them here like ten times a week to counter what's going on in the messages they're getting. Oh, we offer again the different ministries that I talked about. And you need to take advantage of that because you can have a straight-A student, you can have a, a student who uh, excels in every area, but if they don't excel in their relationship with Jesus Christ, their life is going to be full of pain. Just make it a priority, okay? Build into your kids. Build the love of God into your children. Well, moms, thanks for all you do. You're awesome. In fact, you should be honored. We look up here. Uh, this is, uh, of course, <laughs> uh, Princess Catherine. And that's the way we should treat our moms. In fact, let's go back to the other verse. Uh, his, her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Okay, men, I want you to say that to your wives right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just say it to her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. All right. Now, is that hard? That's what you need. You need to affirm your wives in their powerful role as a mother, the draining role as a mother, the burdensome role as a mother, 
You need to encourage them constantly. You need to be very careful how you talk to them. Because your kids pick up on this. How you treat your wife, your kids are going to treat your wife the same way. So if you need to have a discussion, you need to go in the bedroom and have a healthy discussion. But don't you be disrespecting your wife in front of your children or any other time, but especially in front of your children. And if you catch your children disrespecting your wife, you nail them. I nail my kids. I nail my kids. You don't talk to your mother that way. You apologize to her. Men, you're the leaders. Whether you like it or not, you're the leaders. And you need to lead your family in respecting your wife. Not just on Mother's Day, but 365 days a year. That's great. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for all the princesses that are here, all our moms, all our ladies. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would be with moms today. I pray that you would encourage them in the very important role that they play. Thank you for the tremendous gift that they are to all of us. And I pray, Lord, that they would depend upon you this week in the midst of the important work that they're doing. In Christ's name. We can have ushers come forward at this time. We're going to collect, we're going to gather, that is, our gifts to the Lord.